This is episode number one, Discovering Identity, Developing Strengths, and Maximizing Potential, with the one and only Peter Stropel. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. I'm super excited about today's episode, as our guest today has been referred to as the most connected man in America, considered to be one of the top business strategists when it comes to dealing with instant change, has been involved with and held positions with multiple high-performance organizations, including but not limited to Director at Dell Computer Corporation and Enron. Outside of the business world, Peter is known for his famous saying, Peter loves you, and his involvement within the Friends of Peter community. Without further ado, please welcome Peter Stropel. Peter, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. I met you through a mutual friend of ours who introduced me to your group, Friends of Peter. And um, what is Friends of Peter? It's a community of friends that meet every every Saturday morning to talk about life, talk about what we can do to help each other. And why, why did how and why did it get started? It was created, well, I used to be involved with a couple of significant companies, one being Marsh McLennan, which is the second largest loss of life in 9-11. And so I, on, I was having dinner with people on Thursday that were gone on Tuesday. And coming out of that, the world changed. And, and you saw companies, I was involved with Enron. Enron went out of business. Marsh almost went out of business. It was affecting businesses all around the country, and people were losing their jobs. Plus, people lost friends that were part of the 9-11 attacks and started to realize we're in a different world. We have to know each other, and we just can't be on the social uh, media side of life and just saying that there's some, because somebody's connected to me on LinkedIn or on Facebook. I know them. We don't. And uh, I had a, a, an opportunity to have dinner with a friend of mine who was a rock star here in Austin, and a week later he committed suicide. And then I was trying to understand what happened, you know, because when I talked to him, he was like he was happy, he's happy with life. I, again, he had a very significant business. And I, I started to look at myself saying, what did I miss? And I started to talk, as I started to get inside what really happened, I realized I didn't go deep enough. You know, you, you, you meet people all the time and say, how are, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. You know, we don't go any deeper than that. And what happened when we created this conversation on a Saturday morning, and it was a friend of mine from Dell who said, oh, Peter, I want to meet with you. And he said, uh, would you be willing to meet me on a Saturday? And I said, uh, I don't want to meet on Saturday. So I was really busy at the time. The last thing I want to do is meet someplace in a coffee shop um, in, in Austin. Um, if I went into a coffee shop, I was inundated with people saying, hey, I've got a business idea. I want, I want you to meet one of my friends. So every time it wasn't just saying hi, I, I wanted to spend more time with them. And I couldn't do that. And that's what he was asking me to do for him. And as we started to spend time together, people would come up to us and say, hey, hey, Peter, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, I want you to meet me, my friend, or they're saying hi to me. And then we just started saying, listen, why don't you just sit down 
you know, let's just talk and get everybody. So where we started to meet with two people, all of a sudden became five, six, ten around a table. And then we started to just go through each person and say, so what are you doing? What are you, what's involved? What's the most significant thing that you're doing right now? And I was blown away with people would say, oh, I can help you. And I hear other people were coming into a conversation without even knowing who you were. We were saying, oh, I can do that. I can help you here. Or what do you do? And, and it became a very interesting conversation. And we started f- focusing on things that really mattered. And we started to, you know, write checks and invest in people and people's ideas. And, and then it became something people wanted to meet every week. And uh, the Friends of Peter name wasn't, wasn't something that was created um, to, to start this thing. Uh, there was a friend of mine in Houston said every time I gave her name, she put FOP beside it. And I didn't know what FOP meant. She said, Friends of Peter. And uh, and then my friend said, listen, if we do this on a regular basis, uh, why don't we call it Friends of Peter? And I said, well, I don't know if it's, we need to call it Friends of Peter. But what I did love is the idea that we're sitting as friends of friends. And, you know, it could be, F-O, you know, FOO, right? Um, you know, uh, have uh, you know, Friends of Oluk. You know, so whenever we're together, just friends would get together with friends, but we're all focused 100% on what we can do to help each other. And it became something that we decided we wanted to do every weekend. And even whether I was involved or not, it became something that was significant. So That's amazing. That was 2008, so, yeah. But uh, anyway, that's uh, that, what it is today. I think the, this next weekend will be our 473rd Saturday. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, it certainly has had a huge impact on me, um, just the way I view life and relationships. Um, so I want to thank you for that. Thanks for being part of it. Yeah. Uh, so for those who aren't able to attend the group, how can they replicate the atmosphere that the group creates? And what are the core elements that keep it together? Sure. I think anytime you get people together that care about each other. You know, this is not about ego. And, and you know, even part of it, this has nothing to do with traditional networking. You know, we don't have people stand up and just, you know, here's my business. And, you know, it's not, about, it's not all about putting cards out there and doing things. We try to get people to talk about life. And I think um, we've had communities all around the country. We've got five communities right now that want it. Um, where people have said, look, at a high level of having leaders sit together and just talk about life is very unique. And, and getting real in regards to what they're dealing with. So, you know, it's and, and because the group is, is designed around safety, we don't invite people in that don't know each other. You know, it's usually a friend having a friend come, right? And because of that, it's not open to everybody. It is kind of a secret thing. And once you're invited in, it's because somebody who cares about you said, you need to be part of this. So any, any place where we've got leaders talking that are really interested in getting real in regards to what's going on and, and making it a, and not just a one-time event, doing a weekly or even if it was monthly. But the bottom line is every time we're there, is the goal is to see what you've done in the last month, the last week, last few days that shows that there might be something going on where somebody might be struggling. And they're not going to tell you that. Most people won't, right? But friends will sense that. And say, you know, last time we met, you were happy. When last time we met, you told me this is what you're going to do. You didn't do that. You know, what can I do? You know, are you doing okay? And that's when things start to happen. You start to see people with tears. People saying, no, this is what's really going on in my life. And that's what we want to do is make sure there's that, that level of, of, of seriousness and significance. So I think any community that has this, and that's what we're starting to see, is there's communities saying at the highest levels of leaders, that is what we represent. Um, if we can do that in every community, then I think it's a great thing. 
And it used to be, you know, I call them fireside chats, right? You know, probably growing up, your your grandfather said, hey, you know, you know, there's somebody significant in your life. He said, let's just talk, right? And I always remember that, the fireside chat thing, just sitting by a fire, just talking to people and saying, listen, tell me about life, you know. And then you get wisdom and people start sharing things. That's what we try to re- represent. And it is a fireside chat. And I used to, when we started, we always had a fire place that were near us. And in Denver, for example, the Panera Bread, we're right beside the fire every Saturday morning. And, and there's a fire running and we just talk about life, you know. So that's what we try to create and uh, hopefully creating it. And, um, you know, I'm babbling now. So, Caring is something that you have done most of your life, whether it's caring about yourself, your well-being, or other people. Why is, why is caring important to you, and especially when it comes to other people? Well, you know, you and I have a similar background, right? And, um, and I don't know who my parents are, you know, and uh, I don't know grandparents and uncles and aunts and things like that. So, you know, I was adopted. You know, I went into a, into a, had a single mom, put us up for adoption, and I have a twin sister. And uh, I always cared about my twin sister. You know, I was like, had to be a little dad from the very beginning because I had to protect her. And, uh, and you know, I had three names before I was three years old. You know, I was born Laszlo Chupor, and then I became Barnabas in the in the orphanage. And then after that, my dad called me Peter. And so the basis of life is based on who you are, you know, and who you think you are and, and, you're, and who you're connected to. And, and what was happening is that caring was a very thing because you know people come into your life, they claim they're going to care, that they want to help you, but you can see how fake people are. You know, and uh, I guarantee you, you've seen a lot of that in your life. You know, you and I both have the ability to see immediately when somebody walks in a the room, there's something wrong. You know, Absolutely. they're not being significant. They're not being serious, and they're not really who they claim to be, right? And you and I, have, from the various, very young, had, had have this ability to be able to say, look at, you know, let's get real, right? And I was there to protect my sister, right? And as life went on, and I'm still fascinated by this, and, and I, I talk about this a lot, it's hard for me to believe that we both started at the same place in life, and yet we're in different places today. My sister lives in a mobile home, front teeth knocked out of her face, drug and alcohol issues. And I'm just fascinated, you know, what, what did she do? The choices she made to have in, in relationships were just blew me away, you know. And there's so many, we could have a whole conversation in regards to that. And I attracted different people. You know, the people that I was attracting were leaders, that said there's something special about this guy, whether it was through my hockey years or whether it was into business, mm-hmm. because I never claimed to be anything. I never claimed to be anybody because I didn't, I wasn't that person, right? I didn't have all the degrees. I didn't have, you know, I didn't go to Harvard and all that. But I was always fascinated when I sat down with people and said, I don't know what we're talking about. You know, can you please explain it? Where people were judging me based on the fact that I was that dumb guy who was asking stupid questions. I had people that were leaders saying to me, thank you for asking that question. I didn't know what he was saying either, but they didn't have the guts to say that. Mm-hmm. And I was fascinated by that. And so when my sister, when I look at my sister today, my sister, is she's very skeptical. She thinks everybody's out to take advantage of her. Um, she's been, you know, she's been horrible things have gone on in her life. And the one thing that she loves more than anything in this world is me. And she's my agent. She'll tell everybody that I'm her, her brother, awesome. you know. And so when I sit back and say, look, caring is, comes from a different place. And for me, it's truth. 
you know, I want to sit down. When I really like somebody, when I care about them, as long as we're doing things that are going to make a difference, I want to be part of that. And if I've created any influence in my life, I want that influence to be known. And I also want to make sure that my friends aren't being judged because of they don't because they don't have the same you know you know uh, schools and, and 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 business backgrounds and it doesn't really matter. A lot of this I realize that the greatest caring we can do is by selling somebody that you're my friend, and I want you to treat them the way you treat me, and whatever I can do to help you, I will. And that's what the basis of what we try to do every day. Well, I completely agree with that. Just based on the impact you've had on me, it's exactly what you just said. Um, when did you first start investing in yourself? Um, I'm not sure. I know that's a great question. You know, I remember, I remember when I was very young, realizing that um, it was me and my sister. You know, we were very alone in the world, and if we didn't care about each other, then we're probably in trouble, right? There was a gentleman who was a soccer coach when I was uh, 11 years old, uh, and, and Dr. Easton Wren. He was a uh, one of the world's great physicists, and um, he was my soccer coach. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget this. He said to me, and I didn't know this until I was an adult. I, I moved to the U.S. and I was living in Houston. And he called me up one day and he said, Peter, he said, um, I hear you're in Houston. And he said, I'm going to be there speaking at a oil and gas, whatever. And I'd love to have dinner with you. And I sat down with him. And here we are as adults, you know. And he said to me, he said, Peter, I don't know if you know this, but when you were young, um, I tried to adopt you. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, there's something very special about you. And do you remember I used to have me come over and I'd pay you to babysit my kids? I said, yeah. You, you know, my kids were like a year younger than you. <laughs> you know, um, I knew that they could look after themselves, but there was something I knew that you needed family. And at one point, my wife and I looked at each other and said, I want to adopt this boy. But we didn't because he had a sister. and We didn't want her. And we knew it would kill your dad. And uh, at the time, my dad, uh, or stepmom, uh, my adopted mom uh, died of cancer, and my dad was very alone and was overwhelmed by the fact that he had two young kids. And he said, I didn't want to kill your dad. That's what would have happened if I took you away from him. And it obviously would have really hurt your sister, but we never did that. But I still remember, wow, you know, so the summers and, and every night you called me to, be, to babysit and pay me too much money, it was love. And I remember that. And to this day, I would call him and say, listen, I love you. And I can't thank you enough because he did mean a lot to me. And, 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 and you have the, probably the same story in regards to life where there's certain people just really made a difference. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and you don't even know about it until today. And when you, if you ask them as an adult, you know, why did you do that? Um, it means a lot. So, what, is, what does adoption mean to you now? It's, Looking back at it so many years. Well, it obviously represents love. You know, I mean, why would I, you know, I knew my dad wanted, he had four daughters and uh, he wanted a son and he fell in love with me and brought my sister along. And uh, I knew that at that moment he wanted a son and for some reason he chose me. And um, whenever I look at adoption, it means that somebody's picking you, right? You're not born into anything and, you know, and he made a, a conscious decision to say, this is somebody I want to love. And even though we weren't together a lot, and the, and I we didn't have the greatest upbringing, I will never forget the fact that he took time and he and he took a moment in life to say, Peter, somebody special. I, I don't look at my name as being anything other than significance. The Struple name is a good name. Um, I, I couldn't nobody could spell it when I was growing up, and, and I was always 
People always call me staple and stripple and things like that. I've definitely had my fair share of struggles. Oh, you're a lot better looking than I am, man. So I can't even imagine <laughs> what you've had to go through. But, uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, it's the little things that really matter in life. And, and you and I understand that. We don't take things for granted. And when somebody comes in and out of our life, there's a moment where we have to say thank you. And, uh, and whatever that means long term. But we always take something from every relationship to make us who we are today. What type of role did adoption play did being adopted play in you as you were finding your own identity and who you are today? I, it really didn't matter growing up. You know, people make fun of you when you're adopted, and so you don't really talk about it when you're young. And, I, you know, my dad didn't talk about it. You know, it was only later in life when my sisters would talk about it and say things like, uh, because we were really badly um, treated by in, 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 in situations. My, my twin sister left home at 14, and I followed her out a, a month later. Um, and I had a, a family, uh, being a family that my soccer team, my uh, hockey team put me into, that gave me life, you know, gave me a, a, a kind of a basis of, of a foundation of a family. Um, but when I sit back, and I'm more aware of what it is today because of the fact I'm not, um, I'm not a, a person that's afraid to say this is who I am. I don't mind telling people that I'm I'm actually Hungarian and my name is Laszlo. You know, I'm very honored to have that name, um, and so it, it, it doesn't matter really. Truthfully, your name doesn't mean anything, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's just some foundation for you know society. Um, but the fact that somebody could go through that environment and it, and more of a, a basis of knowing that we've all been treated differently, um, some are good, some are bad. Um, you know, that there's a, just, it doesn't change anything. It's not an, oh, a woe is me. It doesn't look how bad I was. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's the basis. This is who I am, right? And, and the fact that I've learned from every moment, there's moments I can't remember, you know, and, um, you know, I'd be, I'd love to go through that, kind of go back and try to figure out every moment of my life. But there's somewhere in my life I was able to figure out that this matters. And, and for whatever reason, my insight in, in my awareness of people and who's good, who's bad, mm -hmm. um, the fact that I'm in a position of some influence today where I can use that to tell people the truth. Look at somebody saying, why are you being such an asshole? <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't need to treat people like that. Where I can, for some reason, they listen to that. You know, because somebody took me aside and said, why do you have to be somebody you're not? Stop being fake. Stop trying to be, because that's the first thing that comes out of that world is you try to create a future for yourself by making stories up, you know, and it's not a truth. There's nothing in truth. And, and, and once I started to understand that I'm okay with who I am, even whether I have anything or have nothing, uh, with who my friends are, it became everything. As long as I'm okay with who I am today, then that's the basis where I can really make a difference. You mentioned family. Um, it's something that the definition for me personally has evolved for many, many years. At first, I used to think that the only family I had was the one that was um, related through my blood. And then at 12, you know, it became my adoptive family. But at this point, the way I define family for myself is anyone who has ever touched my life in any way mm -hmm. and has had an impact. What is your definition of family? I, I feel like you should be talking here, you know. Um, it's anybody that's made a difference in my life and, and to the point that I would say I love you. And uh, um, it's, it's somebody, you know, my favorite quote is a Roy, Roy Croft quote. It says, I love you not for who you are, but for who I am when I'm with you. 
most people, if we look at real family, are not really happy with who our families are, right? Everybody lets you down. You and I have had the ability to be able to go kind of through life and pick people and have people come into our lives so we can say it's, it's probably greater family and more influence than my dad, than a mom, you know, grandpa, all those other things, you know. The bottom line is that I wish everybody would have had the ability to be able to have the same sense of life and where community is. But you and I can go into any environment and survive. Um, and we can also um, take all the little things that we've learned in life and how people treat each other and be yeah. honest and probably create a better sense of what family would look like. Family is, is friends of Peter, right? Every community where you look at somebody every Saturday, give them a hug and say, you matter. That's family, right? And it, whether you let them down or, you know, I think, that, you know, one of the greatest challenges in my life, I've been married three times, is I don't understand family. I don't understand why we have to be together on Christmas Day with, as a family. I don't want, like, all, all the other people around. I don't want other people getting in my business, you know. And it's hard, you know. And I have three kids, and I love my kids more than anything. You know, and my ex-wives, I love. They're some of my best friends, the most amazing women, you know. And But it, my whole life was about what's the next thing. I'm always moving. What's next over the next corner, the next, you know, when the hill and all that. Because I was never satisfied anywhere, anywhere I was, but I also was very aware that somebody else was struggling. There's somebody out there. I became so aware of underdogs, very aware of people being taken advantage of. That's become my life, right? And it's hard when you have a family that you want to f focus on everybody else but your family, Absolutely. right? Yeah. So I don't know. I'll ever. I'll never be a great husband. I just won't. I mean, I'll always love beyond belief. Right? But I'm not that person that's going to say, this is a stable place I'm creating. For me, I'm so aware of everything that's not stable, where people are being taken advantage of, and that I have to be involved with that. Otherwise, I'm not sure I would be able to live with myself. You know, And so I, I can't say that uh, you know, the world today or the family, I, I wouldn't be that person that says, this is, I'm the greatest guy to be in the family. But I know that one thing I would never do um, I'll never turn my back on somebody, and I'm the first person to be standing there with them, and, and no matter what the environment is, and saying I'm with you. And uh, you know, and I, I love the the quote. Uh, you know, um, I don't know whether I can help you, but I, you're not going to be alone. You know, mm -hmm. and I'll never let you be alone in that environment, even though I don't know what I can do. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that's what family should. Be I can about. definitely. I mean, I can definitely sense that from you, uh, just from meeting you. But that I, my mentality has always been the same way. I think that just because I've had multiple perspectives on life from, you know, being in poverty and essentially forcing myself to go into poverty in order to find that better life and then going through so much tragedy at a young age, um, it just made me that much stronger. And it's nothing that I look back at my life now and say, well, do I regret any of the decisions? Do I regret leaving home at, at you know, as early as four? Do I regret being adopted? No, because it, mm -hmm. it brought me here. This is who I am right now, and that's um, the greatest thing that I could be thankful for. I, I have huge respect for you, you know, and I wish that uh, God would have given me your looks and your your smartness <laughs> at your age. And uh, you know, I can't imagine where you're going to be twenty, thirty years from now. I mean, you're 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 a world leader, and uh, I know that. And uh, um, but I'm I'm just fascinated why people. You know why it's so important for them to, with the ego, and, and try to be something so much 
more fakeness than what they're creating. You know, and you and I have talked about this in, in Friends of Peter. We talk about a lot in regards most people are trying to be something they're not. And, uh, and it's not real. There's nothing real about it. Um, to be at your level, at your age, to be as real as you are. Um, I don't know why people don't want to talk about the bad things. Because we need to know other people are going through the same thing. And you put a face on, on what it means to be uh, adopted. You also put a face in regards to what it means to be an adoption agency, right? Because you're making it look like it's something that's cool. I mean, yep. you're going to make people say, stop not talking about the fact you're adopted. Stop using it as a, trash, a, a, crush, a crutch in regards to why you're not doing things, you know, because you didn't have parents. And give me a break, right? Yep. Right? It's actually the greatest thing that probably could have happened. I don't, I don't know how many people that are so unhappy with their lives that wish they were adopted, that wish they'd had different parents. And, you know, you and I understand that. I, always, I see that as a blessing, you know. And, but the fact that we're not willing to talk about it says there's a big, huge issue out there. And then all of a sudden you come in and everybody wishes they were, you were their son. You know, everybody's got the daughter that they want you to meet and mm-hmm. get married to, right? Um, you represent a whole different level of significance that I can't even, you know. I mean, I'm I'm absolutely honored to be hanging with you, you know. And uh, I know nobody looks at me when I walk into a room when I'm with you, and that's cool, you know. But you know, but the bottom line, I'm just honored to, to, that we're family, right? Thank and you. we're in this together. So. Well, I, I think the reason why you bring up an interesting point, um, I've always believed that it's the truth that hurts the most. Mm. And when you really look at this, it it true. This is as real as it gets. Um, when people talk about their experience, everything that they go through, there's nothing to make up. Sure, you can make up parts of the story, but you have to live with it. Mm-hmm. And I think when people are put on the spot and they're asked the tough questions, then they have to dig deeper and truly reveal themselves for who they are and not who they present. I love that. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing to recognize for people in general. So um, you brought up a great point regarding success. I think in today's world, success is oftentimes determined by the amount of money you have. You have expensive cars you own. What does it mean to be successful in your eyes? Uh, you know, I remember a uh, friend of mine, uh, Ken Blanchard, you know, well-known author and speaker, and you know, and he told me, he said, you know, he said to me, Peter, he said, you're a billionaire. And, and I said, no, I'm not. He said, no, you're a billionaire when it comes to influence, you know, in relationships. And, and he always said that the power and the success is the day you die is how many people show up at your funeral, right? And not that I'm going to have a lot, you know, but um, what he said to me is that it's the relationships are the most significant. And it's not people taking advantage of you or using your name because of who they think they are when you're around you. Um, this is somebody that says, look, you were there for them, you know, and you care. And that's success, you know, in my, in my, in my situation. And I would rather be, um, I'd rather be that person that people said, you know, look, when I was with him, you know, we could talk about anything. Um, he, I, was, I was able to get honest and, and be able to talk about things that I wouldn't normally talk about. And, and I'll tell you, when you look at what's happening in our world today in regards to cultures and, and people's don't like people's different skin colors and and I don't like somebody because they're gay and all this stuff. You and I don't understand that, right? Because people are people, right? And, um, you know, and I I have have two daughters, you know, I have a daughter that's gay and I have two sisters that are gay. 
And, and so growing up, I, I wasn't, I didn't, because we weren't blood. I mean, my daughter was, but, you know, but I, I wasn't sitting there going, well, I mean, you're, I love you, right? You're my sister. And, and why are people judging you because of You're not any different. Yeah, I mean, you know, I never understood that. Why are you, why are you judging them because of who they want to love? God, we die for, well, for love in any way, you know? And, um, you know, I, I still remember, you know, and I, I shared this with friends um, of Peter, when um, my dad, when I was 14, I asked him, I said, why, you know, are you okay with the fact that my sister is gay? And he said to me, he said, Peter, I just wanted to be loved, you know? I don't want her to be in a relationship where she's beaten, you know, which is her last. She had a boyfriend before that that beat her horribly, you know? And I'm sitting here going, wow, so the fact she's with a woman right now that she loves and the woman's treating her with respect, my dad was okay with that. And I'm sitting there, that's, that's, that should be the greatest level of love, period. You, no matter who you're with, they're loving you, right? And, and why should I judge you based on that, you know? And, uh, and I, it goes against, you know, Christian beliefs and all these other things. But, mm-hmm. you know, but the truth is that's what life is about. And I, I can't, uh, you know, you and I become a lot less judgmental, you know, because of the fact the environment where you, we had to create relationships to sustain to life. Survive. Yeah. And we didn't judge people based on that. They become our friends and become people that we want to protect, you know. And uh, God, I wish everybody had that way of looking at life. You know. How do you think people can transform their thinking from the way success is defined mm. in today's society to something that will lead them to to a more fulfilling life? Well, I can tell you, my you know, I live in the world of crisis, right? And uh, I've had people that are billionaires that are in crisis, so I knew it had nothing to do with money, right? So they can write a check big enough to get them out of a problem, right? It all became relationship. And so success has to be based on relationship. And if it's not people that are, if they're there because they're getting money and they're getting paid, that's not in a relationship, right? Has to be based on the fact, what if there was no money? What would you do it anyway, right? Would you be here? Would you spend that same amount of time focusing on that? That's success. And if you can do that, then you've, you've got probably got a good place to be in life, you know, because nobody can write a check big enough. Right. Nobody can do whatever else. And, and that's what I'm sitting back and thinking today, that uh, true success has nothing to do with where you live and all of the compliments, all the accomplishments that we've got. Right. It really comes down to the people that are there for you when you need it and at the, in the worst times. And if they're not there, if they need a, t- a check to be there, that's not a rent. It's not a relationship. It has nothing. To, that's a transaction. And we don't have transactions, you know, in our world. You know, we're about we're about through relationships. And and I, I sit back and I, you know, I still tell people when I first made made the decision to come to America, that America doesn't have relationships. It has transactions. You know, everything's based on where they think you are and where you went to school. And it has nothing to do with that. And you can see when people are in a crisis situation, are who's really there for them? And I can tell you, most people that think they're there, that have the power and money will find that the world is very small. Nobody will be there because they don't like you. They didn't, they never liked you. The only reason why you're there because they thought that you represented some influence. They rep, you represented some money to them. Had nothing to do with what's real. And uh, that's not the world you and I are from. So. Wow. Now, this is a question we ask all of our speakers. In a situation where odds are completely against you, what are some of the fundamental principles that you always refer to? The, the first thing I'd look at is, is what I'm going to be doing. Is it something that's is needed? You know, is it something that, what am I fighting against? Is it really something the world that matters to the world, right? 
Um, that's the worst thing if I'm fighting for something that the world doesn't need anyway. Um, my whole thing is focus, right? You and I become very, very good on focus. Right? There's one thing we need to do. We need to be feed ourselves today. We need mm-hmm. to we need to create a relationships to get us a job to help us go someplace, right? Everything is based on a relationship. Where the basis of my thinking is today is, is who do I know has either lived through this or can be the best advice to me in regards to what I need to do today. And if I have the ability to make that phone call and say, I need help, and I don't need help in the way that you think I do, I just need your advice. I want your perception of what would you do if you're in the same situation, because that's what I need. I just know, I've just known if time is finite and I've got to do something right away, and especially if it affects other people, you know, people I love or people that are, I'm helping, 100% I've got to be focused on my, what am I doing? Is it the right thing? Is it the one thing I should be doing today to make, make a difference? That's the first thing I have to go through. That's why I create the home plate. You know, I wanted to make sure I'm in line with what really is needed and it's going to help people and not hurt people because we can also make decisions that can hurt other people, and I don't want that either. I just want 100% what can I do when it comes to just this next moment making the right decisions to, to do something good. So finding your own identity and a greater purpose, something that um, luckily I was able to find through experience, but I noticed that especially in today's day and age, it's something that is almost put on the pedestal. Mm-hmm. And it's it's much harder to find. You're not going to get it from reading an article mm-hmm. or um, even a conversation. So what are your recommendations for some steps that people could take in order to dig deeper and find that thing that motivates them, makes them wake up in the morning and look at a world in a different way? You know, everybody wakes up with some dream about who they'd want to be, you know, what they should be doing, all those things. And and they probably have ideas and, and a dream of who they think uh, represents that, right? And most people, again, are, are not focusing on the things that matter. If we look, if we go back to basic life, it's, it's food, shelter, clothing, right? That's where the basis of life is, right? And if I'm sitting back and saying, is this in line with what I need to survive? Is this what I need to do to feed the people that I love? Then I'm probably doing the right. I'm, I'm probably focusing on the right things. You know, I, I remember. Um, I don't know why I'm going down this path, but I remember waking up um, and, and thinking, if I woke up tomorrow morning, what's the first thing that I think of as far as what I should be doing? Right. Mm-hmm. And I and I started to realize, well, I was going to get a coffee, I mean, have a cup of coffee, and then I was probably going to figure out what I'm going to wear for the day, and then I'd probably go to work. Right, and then I probably have some things relating to that work that I need to do, and there's probably people I want to meet at dinner, right? And I started to realize, well, who wakes up in the morning with that same thinking, right? It's probably somebody in America, you know. Mm-hmm. Most people outside that don't wake up in the morning and think, well, I'm going to find a coffee, you know. No, you know, they might be thinking about security, you know. Oh my God, I got to make sure I'm safe. Make somebody who I love is with me. Make sure that they're safe. Make sure that I can get them some food, you know. Maybe I might have to get some clothing, right? All of these things aren't things that normally people think about. And that's what I started to realize. It's very unique to North America to have this feeling of being safe and that I can think about anything. You know, if you think about who who thinks that I'm going to work and then go have a vacation, what part of the world has that? Most people, there's no (laughs) vacations, right? You know, so we are so lucky to be here. Absolutely, right? So most people, we got to think about... What we're talking about isn't 90% of what the world thinks about. 
we're thinking it's totally different. And we're very lucky to be where we are, right? And I'm telling you that if we sit back and if I'm going to be a person that's going to make a difference in this world, I've got to be aware of the fact that what I've gotten is a blessing. My life is different than not what most people have. And I, if I don't have that moment of being able to look at somebody and say, what can I do to help you? And knowing they might say, listen, I need, I need food. I need a place to live. I need some clothing, right? I want to help somebody, right? That's what you and I do. With, that's what foster care agencies do, right? That we're sitting back and saying, we're here for the things that are needed, the basics of life, right? And that is 100% what I think is what we'd be focused on. Most people aren't even thinking about any of this stuff. Yet, truthfully, that's what most of the world has to deal with. And needs. Needs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Final thought. What's the one thing that you would like our listeners to take away from our talk today? Well, you, there's not enough time in life to, to, you know, not spend time with, with Oleg, you know. Um, I think anybody that hears your story and see who you are today, um, no, there's no ego, you know, there's nothing just based on life, right? Um, I, I wish everybody had the ability to understand that, you know, look at what you've done already in your life and, and what you need. And, but again, understanding that what can we do to help you? You know, and as you grow this whole story and your nonprofit, and um, I think that's the most important thing. And, you know, if, if people just walked away saying, look, I know my life isn't your life. I know that I've, I've had things that are good and bad in my life that uh, is not yours, um, but it doesn't make me special. Um, it, it just allows me to be more human. And, and if I can't sit back and say, look, you know, I want to, the things you and I talk about are uncomfortable to most people. Absolutely. Right? They don't yeah. want to hear about it. Most people don't want to act like it even exists, right? Well, guess what? It does exist. And, and if, it, if it takes, uh, you know, somebody that looks like me saying it or somebody that looks like you saying it, mm-hmm. the bottom line is there's going, to be a, there's going to be a generation, there's going to be a group that looks at this, that connect to you, won't connect to me, that will say it's still stuff that matters. And if, as long as you're okay with understanding, these are things we're going to talk about, you know, that aren't things we hide. These are things that's life. And as long as we're in this together, thank God there's somebody like you thinking about these issues. There's too many people that are struggling right now and people that are, because somebody doesn't care, somebody don't think that they that they should be, you know, in that environment, shouldn't be, you know, hanging out with people like that. Mm-hmm. Give me a break, you know. I don't even know how... Um, you know, Kelly and I were talking about this, and it, how many people wake up and all of a sudden, for the first time, find out that they're adopted, and then all of a sudden their life falls apart? Oh my God! You know, really? Are you serious? Right? Give me a break! You know, and and yet, is that judgment? You know, does uh, do you deserve something better? You know, the fact that we're alive, you know, and the fact that we're in a place where it is a blessing to be it matters most. Absolutely, but. There are people somewhere else in this world tonight that are going to be sleeping and not safe and don't have anything. And thank God people like you exist in this world because we're going to make sure that we know that this matters. And it might just take you in any environment just, just for somebody to change somebody else's life. Say, look, I've been very lucky to be to growing up in this environment. Um, but you're right. Um, you know, when the one guy that made a huge difference in my life was Dave Thomas from Wendy's. And Dave looked at me and said, how much money do you need to, to make, you know, on a year, yearly basis? And uh, I said, a million. And I, he said, that would be a good life. And I said, yeah, it would be an awesome life. And he said, what if you make $10 million? 
I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if you make $10 million, you already said a million is all you need. So what if you make 10? And I said, wow. I mean, so I got $9 million uh-huh. that I don't need, right? He said, so most people here would try to build something bigger and use that $10 million and, and try to go for 20 and $30 million. That You've already said millions all you need. So what are you going to do with that extra? extra? And, and that's what we're talking about, right? Even in time, you and I already make a decision that, you know, we, we live in a, a reasonable profit a lifestyle, right? Um, you know, I've lived really well. I've lived big. I tried to do what society wants, and, and I couldn't look at myself. I, I'd look at somebody beside me when I was driving my Porsche and go, do I think I'm better than them? Do mm-hmm. I des- 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 deserve to have deserve more recognition? It has nothing to do with that, right? Everybody's struggling. And this is the thing that got me when we started our foster care agency, is that 70% of people live paycheck to paycheck. So most people, even though they're driving big cars and big communities, don't have anything. They don't have that extra money that they claim. They're not the rich. They're, they're, you know, they're probably poor when it comes to just their, their view on life. And I look at it. But, and I'll never forget a friend of mine growing up. He lived in a really wealthy community in, in Denver, in, in Dallas. And he woke up on a Saturday morning to go play golf. And he stepped out, and his entire yard was missing. Trees, plants, everything was gone. And then he said to me, Scott, somebody stole my yard. You know? <laughs> and then I, as we were having a coffee, I said to him, I said, do you owe anybody any money? Well, you know, landscapers, you know. I said, your yard was repossessed? Are you serious? Somebody repossessed, repossessed his yard. And I said, what a great statement of we're living beyond our means. When you step out and your yard is missing because somebody <laughs> took it back. I'm going, oh my God, you can't hide the fact you're struggling. Don't try to say that, you know. And and they always, you know, I remember real estate people told me that they go into these big homes and they look in the fridge and there's nothing. It's like one beer and something else. They can't afford to even put food in there. You know, that's not life. You know, people are living so far behind who they are and it has nothing to do with their cars. A friend of mine lives in L.A. in Newport Beach. And I was talking to a friend of mine at BMW and he said, that's our number one place for possessions of BMWs. He said, everybody's got a car they can't afford I go, oh my God, are you serious? So, you know what? I got to believe 70% of people, you know, they claim they can afford it, they can't. They're probably living bigger than they want, right? And that's not real. So we're in a, we're, we're in a whole culture that bigger than that. And I'll also remember this. I was talking to a friend of mine who was, who was a significant guy in, in Africa. And he said, most cultures, when you have, when you have um, a lot of something, um, if you keep it, they consider you, you know, uh, unethical, and and probably have you're probably crazy, so they don't understand why billionaires exist because their whole basis should be that we're here to help each other. I, l- I love hanging out with the American Indians. You know, their whole belief is that you know I've got I've got anything I have to share it with the community. That's what's the basis. It's not for me to make live in the big house and you know with the big cars and things like that. So they don't get that. They don't get this whole culture of billionaires, right? Because the bottom line is we should just be have enough for us the people we love, everything else should be given back. And it's not that I'm that kind of person where everybody should be giving money to everybody because some people don't deserve it. But I do believe that, that when we have that sense that we're not alone and that we are going to make our world a better place by the fact that we're here to help each other. And the first place it starts with, you know, relationship. Say, so look, at, I, I don't know why I'm sitting with you, but I am. And I thank you for that. What can I do to help you? And I guarantee you'll find out there's probably things you can do to help me. So. 
what do you what do you think drives ego the most to me to me it has always been money i think it's it really goes back something that i relate to when i think of ego is how much money you have in this world and i think i'm always curious to know what 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 is that one defining element that people can replace or find a way to deal with and transform it into something else that will ultimately help them deal with their with their ego it's in, it's insecurity people think they have to have something and they really don't and uh, most people want to look at themselves bigger than they really are most people are probably embarrassed by their parents and you know the lifestyle that they have the decisions they've made um, you know you and I don't have a choice you know we have to live with that right every day mm -hmm. we have to live with it right so I think if we could ever get people saying look at who you are is who you are you know you can change you know the future can do a lot to change people right but the first thing you have to be able to say is look at I made some bad decisions you know I've done things in the past I'm probably not really happy with uh, but the bottom line is this I'm who I am and uh, the only way you can change the future has nothing to do with money it comes down to relationship and who you spend time with and when you start to realize that it's not the people you might think and it has nothing to do with the cars they drive um, it's there's actually more people out there that I think uh, if you're aware and listening to uh, could make a huge difference for you as Peter had mentioned the only way you can change the future has nothing to do with money it comes down to relationships and who you spend your time with to all of our listeners who are you most grateful for in your life? Let us know how you will implement some of the principles we spoke of today in your own life by tagging us on Instagram or tweeting at us. Once again, thank you for listening and remember, Overcoming Odds is a community built by you and for you to help you reach your fullest potential. If you haven't already, feel free to share this episode with friends or anyone else who may be interested in sharing their story at overcomingodds.today.